resonate. We're so glad you joined us to worship this morning. Uh, stand and sing with me.
Good morning, Magnolia First. Welcome to Resonate. So glad that you joined us uh, today. Just a few announcements. Number one, if you're visiting with us and you've never had the chance to get connected with us, we would love for you to get connected with us in one of two ways. Uh, number one is our Get Connected number. It's 281-343-3033. And you can text anything to that number. If you have a question, we'll try and respond as fast as we can. There's three uh, keywords on the screen that uh, you can also text, but you know how to, how to give, how to connect, how to pray, or not how to pray, but if you want us to pray for you, we will uh, pray for you and make sure you do that. Uh, don't be threatened by the word uh, give. want to give a huge thanks to our uh, regular attenders and members and just how you support the church, and we're grateful uh, for that. You can give online. We've got the boxes on the walls, but most of all, if you're visiting with us, uh, don't be threatened uh, by that. We want you to just get connected. In fact, before you would ever give, we'd want to make sure that you know how to belong here and how to be part of the family of uh, Magnolia's First and Resonate. But uh, also, if you're uh, watching online, uh, thanks for watching today, and we invite you as well to uh, reach out. In fact, we've got pastors in the chat thread right now. If you have any prayer requests or whatever, we would love for you to uh, reach out in the chat thread. Now, a couple important announcements is uh, Pumpkin Patch. Uh, our pumpkins arrived. The Pumpkin Patch is our way of reaching out to our community. About five years ago, we transitioned from what was a fundraiser to making it just a way we can reach our community. We still have to sell the pumpkins because the company that gives us the pumpkins, they're kind of sticklers about that. Apparently, they're going for a profit. I don't know what's going on. But, uh, but we started giving everything else away for the most part. And so we're going to make the last two weekends of the pumpkin patch a way that you can uh, invite your friends, uh, in, invite your neighbors and family, bring your family, make, make them a big deal. And on the 23rd, uh, we're going to do a couple different things, and that's a big one. We've got a couple guys in here. I don't know if you've noticed them, but uh, we're putting in a disc golf uh, course, and it is going to be like, like top of the line. It's, it's legit, and, so, and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, it's Frisbee golf. I've got to say that for people that, that have no idea what I'm talking about. But on the 23rd, we are going to launch it, we're hoping, and, and even if there's only 11 baskets up at that point, then we'll still launch it. And we're going to have our very first disc golf tournament. And so if you want to be a part of that, be watching the website and everything like that. Then that evening, we are going to have a movie night. And so bring your family, bring your kids, bring your neighbors, and we're going to have a movie night out there on the patch. It'll be really good. I have not heard what movie it is yet, but it will be a good one. So what movie do you want to see? Done. That, that will be the title of the movie. That's terrible. But, okay, so then on the 30th, that is the, the day that we do the fall festival. And so we're going to match up the fall festival. That's going to be a big day as well. We're going to have the cars and coffee uh, that morning. And then we will be finishing up our, uh, our, our barbecue cook-off. And so if you want to enter in a team to the first annual Magnolia's First Barbecue Cook-Off, then uh, let me know, and we'll get you on that. It's going to be a blast. We'll start out Friday night with a chef's meeting. It's going to be legit, and then we will have the cook through the night and uh, everything like that. And you are welcome. If you want to just dig a hole in the ground and drop some wood in and cook that way, you are welcome. Or if you want to bring up the $80,000 thing, 
bring it on up. We're going to have a blast out there, but it'll be a, a great night. So uh, that'll, all that's going to be on the website uh, on, uh, on Monday. And so make sure you get to be a part of that. And that's open to everybody. Well, we have a special guest uh, in our midst. Something we do is that we have what we call a family dedication or baby dedication. And just a reminder, what we're about to do is pray for a baby. We did it a few weeks ago uh, uh, with the Adams. And what we do is that we are going to pray over sweet little Everett. And what it is is that you as a church family are joining with the buyers and sharing with them your support for their family, and we are praying over uh, uh, Sweet Little Everett. So bring Everett up here and the whole family. Uh, all family, come on up. All family. Don't panic. We had a barbecue over the buyer's house. This is Matt and Tori Byers, their baby, Everett. We had a barbecue over there. The barbecue was because you got your Aggie ring. You got it on, show it off. <laughs> and I walk into the backyard. Nobody's taking pictures of Matt and his ring. Everybody is taking pictures with Everett. And so uh, that's what dad life becomes, is that you're there for your kids. I also want uh, the focus group. They're a part of the focus group. And if you're not a part of a small group, get to be part of a small group because uh, that, that is like the smaller church within the church. If you're part of Focus, would you come and kind of stand over here? You can't quite be the family yet, but you have to stand over there. Okay, we've got to give a little bit, little bit of distance. But, uh, but what I want you guys to do is also uh, stand up and uh, support with them because... Uh, so I get to hold them. Anytime we're around, my wife will not let me hold... Don't, don't you cry. Look, look at the smile on his face. Like, he's happy to be in my arms. It has nothing to do with anything else. So, uh, do you need someone to take pictures? I bet someone over here will grab somebody with an iPhone 10 or above. Don't pull out a flip phone and start taking pictures. Okay, we're covered. We're good. We're good. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to pray over Everett. And, and, you know, Everett is going to come to salvation on his own terms. Uh, he will decide, make that choice for himself. But the people standing up here, the people out here, you are a huge part of, of his spiritual development as a church. We want to surround him. You're going you're gonna to pass this family in the hallways. You're going to see them in different places. And it is our responsibility as a church not to win Everett over for Christ, but to be that support for Matt and Tori when it gets difficult, to be that support for Everett when uh, he comes up here, and just to introduce him to the things of the gospel and to show our love to him. What do you do? He's just cute. He's just cute. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to ask everybody if we'd stand and let's pray over Everett. And just as I pray, you pray uh, silently as well. Let's just pray over him. Father, we love you, and Father, we love Everett. And Father, he has been a blessing, and Father, I ask you know, the focus group to be up here because they, they were part of the journey of just praying, Lord, for uh, his arrival. And we're so grateful for that. And, Father, to uh, our right, Father, we just have this family that have been praying for him for years. And, Father, that uh, his arrival is here. And, Father, we want to give him back to you as hard as that is. Lord, what a wonderful gift that he has been and, Father, we now just as a church, as a family, Lord, as parents, 
Father, we turn them back over to your care. And Lord, we pray that, Lord, you would do everything in his life, Lord, that, uh, that you want to do. And Father, we ask that, that we as a church, Lord, we as a group, we as a family, Lord, would just support Everett. Father, may we reveal your love to him. Father, may we be ex the example of your love uh, to him. And then, Father, we pray that, that we would not get in the way of him making a spiritual decision for you. And, Father, we look forward to that time. And, Lord, we pray that you would just draw him close to you at a very early age, that he would be a follower of your son, Jesus Christ. And, Father, again, we stand and we are supportive of this family. And may they know they're not alone in this journey, Lord. And, Father, we ask all this in your precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Yeah. All right. I'm just going to hang on to them. And so... Uh, Sure, there might be a grandma in the group that doesn't want them. Yeah, so Tanya from the preschool ministry, she's got this for you guys. And uh, if you've not gotten to know our preschool department, this is Tanya. And she does a fantastic job of, of helping our families, resourcing our families, and just loving on the kids. So uh, let's worship. No, I'm hanging on to him. Until he starts crying. Oh, let me, let me share with you another part. So what you're about to watch, and I'm going to hang on to him a little bit longer, but uh, what, what you're going to watch is, uh, so here, here we got a baby dedication, and then the decision we hope that he will make someday is to follow Jesus Christ and then to follow that up in believer's baptism. And so right now, I want you to watch this video, and let's celebrate some of those in our church that have uh, just recently in the last couple of weeks been baptized and given their life to Christ. So the reason I decided to get baptized was because whenever I got baptized when I was 20 years old, um, I just did it because it was a group thing. My mom, my dad, and my two little sisters and myself were attending the Woodlands Church regularly. And when I did it, I just did it because of what I thought everybody else would think about me. And I thought that, hey, it's the thing to do. They're doing it, my family's doing it. It would make them think that I was a good person, so let me do that too. But I didn't truly, in my heart, know what it meant to be reborn through Christ. And within the past month or so, I have been reading my Bible a lot more. And I actually watched a movie series. Um, the, one of the movies is Image of the Beast and the Prodigal Planet. And it really, like, encouraged me to, like, open my eyes. Like, hey, this is, this is happening in the world right now. You know, this... These are facts. This isn't a game. This is real life. So I started reading my book of Revelations, and I started, you know, just trying to find answers, trying to find the truth. And then I attended church service, and normally I sit way in the back of the balcony up on the stairs where nobody can see me because I don't want to be seen because I'm here to hear, but I'm not really here to listen. Not last Sunday, but the Sunday before, I sat up front, and... Uh, I was watching Pastor Jesse preach, and he was telling the story about when he worked for Cracker Barrel, how he, like, came at that girl really wrong, and he realized he wasn't doing it for himself, or he was doing it for himself, he wasn't doing it for Jesus. And I was like, wow, that, that's, that's powerful. Like, that's what I needed to hear. That's, that's why God put me here. That's why he told me, you're not sitting in the balcony today. You're sitting down here in the front row seat. This, this is for you. And... That just really touched me, and I got to thinking, you know, did I really get baptized for Jesus, or did I get baptized for myself? 
and it really got me thinking and I was like I I did that for what the world thought of me not for the Lord not for how God felt and not for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us I did it for everybody else so that's why I want to dedicate my life to the Lord and try to live my life through Jesus and ask him to come and live in my heart and hopefully be able to raise my children through him and in his ways so that they would one day hopefully want to do the same thing when they're old enough to understand. Hi, my name is Carrie Galloway and I'm a Christ follower. Good morning. Yes, this is Carrie. Carrie and this was, that was such a powerful story and I was so excited to, to share it with you all. Carrie was super excited to share it with you all because she is excited about her newfound faith and trust in Jesus Christ and, and the salvation that he has given her. He, she wanted to share it with all of you, and you have no idea how nervous she is right now, but she's bold enough to say that she believes in Jesus Christ as her personal Savior, and she wants to share it with this congregation and with all of you uh, today. So we have this one about, yes, I guess it is worth it. <laughs> So, Carrie, because of your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Make sure you grab that handrail. So, we also have uh, Justin and Ashley who are coming today. Uh, Ashley has made a personal relation, personal. Uh, decision to follow Christ as Savior, and we are so excited to baptize her. Justin is coming to just kind of renew that dedication, that commitment to Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. So as they come, they wanted to do this. There's two steps. Be very careful. Nobody wants to cannonball in here. Uh, but this is an amazing couple. Uh, we didn't have a chance to do their baptism video, but we are going to do that very soon as their schedule allows. And I wanted to encourage you, we have a lot of M1 stories that are up on our website. If you go to the watch tab on m1bc.org, you can see the M1 stories uh, page. Click on that and you can watch through a lot of different stories of, of how God is moving in this place. He is doing some amazing things here in the community of Magnolia. And we are celebrating that and we want to be a part of it. We are so excited about what God is doing in the lives of these two young people, but also in our community. So... With that, Ashley, she's going to go first because she's a lady. Sorry. Ashley, because you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it's my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Justin, because you have placed your personal faith in Jesus Christ, it's my honor to baptize you, my brother in Christ, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Church, we make a huge, huge mistake when we don't understand the simplicity of the worship in that song. When we, when we come together and we just try to come up with rhymes and we try to say things to God that we think explain something, God, God hears us, but when we come to him with simple worship, when we come to him with our sins, the sins that we think nobody else knows about, we lay them at his feet in humility, knowing that it is in his control, knowing that that sin that we don't think anybody knows about, that we think we need to clean up or get in check before we walk in these doors, it's so easy to overlook the fact that that sin was on his mind as the blood flowed down the cross. That was the burden that he bore, that thing in us. Psalm 95 says, come let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him for the Lord is a great God, a great King above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over. Sing this story. my mind to Calvary. I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands and feet. I see Curse the tree. 
thank you this morning for everything you've done, everything you're doing now, and everything you will do. We thank you for the cross, for your grace and your mercy, and your forgiveness and your patience. We worship you this morning with everything in us. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Mark uh, chapter 1. We're continuing in this series, and our, our key verse for today, or the key verse for the series, actually, is Mark 1.15, and it says this, the time promised by God has come at last. He says, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. And we talked last week about the meaning of repent and the meaning of believe. I want to draw us into that. Uh, definition because repentance is not just the actions we do like changing our behavior. In fact, that's only the result of repentance. True repentance happens in the mind. It's a changing of the mind. And so we change our mind to do the things that are right. Well, at least I was a little kid. I thought I was about to get tackled or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> that, see, if you ever want to sneak up on somebody, don't wear blinky shoes. That's the key. <laughs> That's the key. You got, you got to get that going. But uh, so if, if we only change our behavior without changing our mind, then we really haven't repented. We've just modified behavior. We talked about the, the measure. The measure of repentance is the changed mind while the evidence is our behavior. And so it's evidenced in behavior, but, but, the, but the, the, the true measure of repentance is that changed mind. Then we looked at believe. We talked about faith. And we talked about faith being confident that Jesus can and hopeful that he will. Confident that Jesus can, hopeful that he will. That plays out the best in an illustration on talking about physical healing. Um, I think I shared with you last week, I had uh, arthritis in my knee. My family prayed for me. I I was healed after a season, but God used that in my life as a a great, great testimony. Don't get me wrong. When I was in fifth grade, I wanted it gone. I wanted it gone immediately. I wanted to be able to run. I wanted to be able to do what uh, my friends were doing. But God used that in my life to get me to where I am today. And so a faith, a a misconception of faith that I can just force the hand of God, we don't always want to force the hand of God. 
Because now as an adult, I look back at what God had done and something that I asked him to take away. And yeah, I was confident he would, but I was hopeful that he will. And that's the true definition of faith because you're leaving the will of God intact. And I am grateful that he delayed uh, that, that healing in my life. Well, we, we have this, uh, this, this person comes up to Jesus begging. He's got leprosy. And he says this, and this is where we get that, that definition from. He says, if you are willing, Jesus, you can heal me and make me clean. And so it was that posture of the one begging for healing, confident that Jesus can, but hopeful that he will. I want to take us on a little bit of a journey today with that in our background, and I want to look at three stories in Mark, and we're going to read them uh, all at one time and then just kind of digest them together. And the reason I want to do that is that the the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, it is fast-paced. It's believed to be the stories of Peter told by the Apostle Paul. And if you know, Peter in the Bible, he's the one that cut off the soldier's ear. He's the one that stepped out of the book. You know, he's the one that does all these things. He's, he, he's very reactionary. And so the stories we get are very much like Peter. They go from one to the next, one to the next, one to the next. But what I want you to see in these three stories is that there is a definite theme that is happening because Jesus, you know, he told us that this, he goes, the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. And that message is going to be throughout these three stories. So if you would turn with me in your Bible to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. And uh, I want to read together. And when we read a chunk of God's Word, I like to stand out of respect of God's Word. And so if you would stand with me as we read. And we're going to read Mark chapter 2 and then to almost the end of the chapter. And listen to these stories and listen to the theme. And, and also, as you listen with this filter, ask yourself, does Jesus just like breaking the rules? Ask yourself that. When you read this and you hear what Jesus is doing, ask yourself, is Jesus just a rule breaker? Is that what he came to do? It says, Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. By the way, this is Matthew. We know him as Matthew. And he said to Matthew, he said, follow me and be my disciple. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as a dinner guest, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. He said, there are many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were were, uh, Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked, why does he eat with such scum? You didn't know that word was in the Bible, did you? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call Not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Be seated and let's pray. Father, we love you. And Father, we pray that our our ears, our heart, Father, would hear your words today. I pray that you would remove uh, my words, Lord, my personality. And Father, I pray that it would only be your truth that would surface to the top, Lord, as we... uh, round out this service where we're worshiping you, Father. And we give it all to you and pray that you would 
uh, Lord, just speak to us, Father, through the ears that we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I decided just for the sake of time, I want, I want to stick on that one story. All three stories so, show Jesus breaking rules. Bottom line, he broke a rule. He, he, he met with sinners. That was not cool back in the day. In the second story, so first story, he's, he's hanging out with these people he shouldn't be hanging out with. In, in the second story, and I've got to remind myself, I don't know what my problem is, but uh, in the second story, he, uh, he goes in and uh, he doesn't fast. Uh, like the Pharisees. He, get, he gets asked this question. He goes, hey, hey, why don't you and your disciples, why don't you fast like John's disciples do? And the Pharisees were saying, we fast. What's your problem? And the, the Pharisees would actually fast twice a week, sun up to sun down. And, and it was a ritual. It was a badge of honor. And then the last story, it shows Jesus healing a guy on the Sabbath day. And actually, there's another story, the exact same thing that follows there, where he heals another guy on the Sabbath day. But Jesus starts just breaking all these rules, and it looks like he is just a rule breaker. But, but what I want to show you is that something is happening as he's breaking the rules. He breaks the traditional rule that, man, you don't hang out with sinners. Uh, Matthew, who he called, was a tax collector. Uh, we kind of think of him going over the house and maybe kind of a meager thing because we're, we're not kind of sure what's going on. But in reality, Matthew was an outcast in society, most likely a Jew who gave up his entire identity as a Jew for money. And what he did is when you were a tax collector, you bid to be a tax collector. You made a bid to the, the government to say, I think I can collect this much. And then whoever makes the highest bid gets the job. But when they get the job, they give up family, they give up social status, they basically become a club of their own of very rich men. Because what they do is that they do taxes based on consignment. And so whatever, whatever Matthew, Levi, as it's named in scripture, whatever Matthew bid to say, hey, I can get this much, anything he collected over and whatever means he used to do that, he got to keep. And so this feast that Jesus was brought to was basically financed by everybody's money. And so you got to kind of grab the context of that. You know, it's like this guy has stolen from all of us. Jesus is going to his house to eat a huge steak dinner on our dime. I don't like it. It's no good. But Jesus goes anyway. Furthermore, the, the, the teachers of the religious law, they say, hey, if he hangs out with them, he's unclean. He's got to go to the temple and get, get cleaned up again. He can't even be before God. Well, they didn't know they were talking to God. But Jesus looks like a rule breaker in doing this. He then goes and he, uh, he heals on the Sabbath. There's a rule to not work on the Sabbath. It's a good rule. It's a day of rest. The Pharisees, they had taken it way too far. Uh, today, it's still happening in the Middle East, still happening in our culture now. Uh, some of you that have been listening to New York, we saw it there. But uh, they, they've got elevators, I've used this illustration before, so that they don't have to work on the Sabbath day, which is their Saturday. They have elevators that you don't have to touch a button, and you just get on the elevator, and you ride it to each floor. Now, as a regular church guy, those elevators are terrible because they're slow. You have to go to every single floor. It's like a little kid got on and went like this, you know, to every one. But for them, they get to get on, and in all their piousness, they are not working on the Sabbath day because they have added to their traditions that to use any technology to press a button is work. And it goes on 
and on and on. And then, then Jesus is accused of not fasting. It seems like a great thing to fast. It is. Trust me, when you're seeking God. But for them, it had become this added on rules, added on rules, added on rules that they are doing to, to really be a badge of honor. But then Jesus makes this statement everywhere he goes. He says, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. That is his common message that he keeps saying over and over and over again. And so when he is talking to those that are fasting, he is saying, hey, you are fasting for the kingdom of God that you don't realize is here. In fact, he gives an illustration in the scripture. He goes, you don't go to a wedding and not eat. You know, you don't go to a wedding and be on a fast because then you would insult the groom. Jesus is saying, I mean, in a very offensive way to the group, he says, I'm the groom. He goes, we don't fast when you're in the presence of the groom. Have you ever been to a wedding and you found out that you just started a diet three days before the wedding? You get to the reception and it is a feast. What do you do? Do you eat the ice cream? Do you eat the cake? Do you eat the cookies? Here's what I say. I don't want to insult the groom. Right? So you feast. It's different for what Jesus is saying. He's saying when you're in the presence of the groom, this is the day we feast. He goes, it is a time of feasting. He's, he's coming out and saying the kingdom of God is near. Here's something interesting. In the Old Testament, the bride, the bride was always God. The bridegroom, sorry. The bridegroom is God. And then the bride is the nation of Israel. And they knew that analogy fairly well. When Jesus came in the New Testament, he says the bridegroom is the son of God, him. And then the bridegroom, the bride, sorry, is his church. And so Jesus is claiming his lordship. Jesus... All this is happening, and then we go back. Don't forget this. His message is the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. Change your mind. And so I want to fast forward to our day, and I want to make this statement. The kingdom of God is not about rules. It's about relationship. And what I want to ask you as we kind of wind down the, the morning here. What kind of rules have you added on to the kingdom of God? You see, in the Old Testament, we were, we, were, we were shown rules that people were to follow that would point them to God. In the New Testament, where we are today, the rules are gone. God is here, and we follow God. God left us one rule. What is it? Love others. Literally, he narrowed everything down to loving others. And it's kind of hard to break any other rule if you actually follow that one rule. Love others. Love the Lord your God and love others. They will know you uh, by your love. But what rules have you blended in to your faith? And I I really don't even want to throw out any examples, but I, I want you to kind of think, what, what have you added that, that needs to be done? For, for you, the act of being here this morning might be a rule. 
And so this is an accomplishment of your faith. And, and what I want to tell you, as much as I want you here, I'm mean, glad you're here, and, and we all should be here, but if we're here for the purpose of, of obeying a rule to win God's favor, then we're here for naught. Because today is a celebration of what God has done. Because we have a changed mind, we come here to celebrate our Lord. The kingdom of God is not about rules. It's about relationship with him. You're here because of your relationship with God, not because of a, a traditional rule that says if you're a Christian family, you should be in church on Sunday morning. It's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But if it's a rule, then there's a good chance you don't have a changed mind, and then the rest of your week does not reflect the rule that you're following on a Sunday morning. The Baptist church, I'm going to pick on the Baptist church just for a brief moment, and I'm going to pick on our own church. Uh, I've been here for uh, 23, 24 years, and this was before my time, and so I can, I can, I can mock the time before me, but if you didn't know... <laughs> Uh, this church was established in 1850. 1850. God has preserved it for this day. I've shared with you before, there was a time in our church history where we stopped meeting for about a year, and one man, stand up, came over to that building that's on the far end of our campus that has a steeple in it, and he cleared out the livestock, called some of the other men in the church, and said it's time to do church again. And that's why we are here, because of that man's faithfulness. And so I am not mocking all the people of the church, but in, in the old days of the Baptist church, there were some additional rules put on. You know, things like bingo. You know, if you wanted to play bingo, you needed to be a Catholic. That was just the rule. If you wanted to play cards, you needed to be a Catholic. And, and the Baptist church back in the day, maybe you've heard this said, it became the Be No Baptist Church. Have you heard of the Be No Baptist Church? There'll be no dancing, be no drinking, be no card playing, be no... You get it. You get the point. But, but these had blended in to the culture of not just Baptist life, but a lot of church life. And what Jesus says is you can't blend in traditions and rules with the truth of the gospel. If you do that, it'll burst. If you read on in the scripture, it talks about pouring uh, new wine into old wineskins. He said, if you do that, the wineskins will burst. You don't do that. It talked about, and they knew this very well, in your clothing, you don't sew a brand new piece of, of cloth to an old pair of jeans because when you wash them, the new cloth is going to shrink and it's going to make a, a bigger hole. And they knew that because clothes were expensive back then. And so they, they you know, it, it was very obvious illustrations. The, the, the new wine being poured into the old wineskins, what would happen is the wine fermented, the gases would release off. And if, if the wineskins were not also new, there was no room for it to expand. And so it would burst. And what he's saying is, is you people are blending your old traditions into the new covenant I have with you of grace. And that is a dangerous, dangerous place to be. It causes you to follow rules that you shouldn't be following. I want to pick on maybe the current day 
a little bit more. I think we have blended rules in, in much the same way, but, but we've disguised them even further. Uh, we've, we've taken, you know, we know the Be No Baptist churches, those were dumb. We can play cards, you know, we can even dance, believe it or not. You know, we, you know we, in moderation, there's all those, you know, type things. But sometimes I think we take a false theology of grace, and then we try and blend it with God's theology. Sometimes we fill our life with doing things that are church good, that there's no time left to do what the Bible is telling us to do. You know, there might be someone in here, and I promise you I don't have you in mind, but, but maybe you, you've got a Bible study every single day of the week, and, and you are the most revered Christ follower there ever was. And I ask you a question. Have you so focused inward on the church that there's no time to do the work of the kingdom outside of the church? Are you so focused on Scripture that you've fallen in love with Scripture more than you've fallen in love with our Lord? It's possible to do that, and I'm going to show you a verse in a second that shows it. Have, have you fallen in love with the concept of grace that you're no longer a change agent when you walk in in your freedoms into scenarios in our culture? And I say that to say this. In every single one of these stories, Jesus is a rule breaker that we like to follow. Because of grace, I can do this. Because of grace, I can do that. Because of grace, I can walk into that room of sinners, and I don't care what they think of me. And, and, and I've followed that. I've been questioned. I've gotten a phone call because of a picture on my Facebook page that I didn't even know was there. But, you know, it's like, hey, what were you doing there? And then you explain to them. They're like, okay, you're good. You know, everything's okay. But let me ask you this. Every time Jesus was in a situation, think about it. When he was in the room in the big feast, did you notice that Jesus didn't just blend in? He didn't blend well. You see, when he was there, a storm happened and lives were changed. And that's a massive difference when you talk about being all things to all people. When Jesus walked into a scenario that people would say he doesn't need to be in, lives were changed for good. Because he didn't walk in and just blend in. He walked in not arrogant, but it's like people knew, I cannot believe Jesus is here. You see, the response was not, ah, that's cool. Jesus went to Matthew's house. See, everybody, what I've been telling you? That wasn't their response. You see, Jesus went in and he made a massive change. And the only change that Jesus told us to make was to love. And so what, what I would submit to you is when Jesus walked into that room, the Pharisees saw him as eating with sinners. How dare he? But the people in the room, the people that really got a glimpse of who he was, the people that really cared about following Jesus... They didn't say, oh, look, he is one of us. Oh, look, he will do, you know. They said, oh, my goodness, look how much Jesus Christ loves me. And you have to understand that out of that room, these vile people, they left their crooked business and they became disciples of Jesus and gave up money. Not all of them. 
but read it. Matthew walked away as a follower of Jesus. And so when Jesus walked into a place of sinners, he walked out with people that loved him. You see, he made a change when he walked in. He didn't blend. And so what I would ask you is if you are trying to blend anything in your life into what Jesus has asked us to do, it just won't work. You cannot blend the old with the new. Run to the last verse in uh, the chapter. Actually, I think it might be in uh, chapter 3. Let me get to it here. I lost it. Talk amongst yourselves. It's what I get for jumping around in my notes. Might have to actually search for it. Let's see what 27 it says. Ah, here it is, right here. Verse 27, the last, the last verse in, uh, in uh, chapter 2. Then Jesus said to them, understand, he just broke all these rules. And the rule he most recently broke was the one about the Sabbath day. And he says this. He goes, he goes the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. I want you to think about that for a little bit. It said the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. You say it in a different way. The rules were not made for man, but man for the rules. I say it a little bit better way. The rules were made for the benefit of man. The rules were made for the benefit of us. And just focus on that verse. Yeah, keep that one up there. The Sabbath was not made to meet the needs of the people and not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. The rules, the Sabbath being the rule, the rules were made for the benefit of man. What are you saying? How dare you accuse me of not healing on the Sabbath? How dare you accuse me of not loving on the Sabbath? You've fallen in love with the rules, he's saying to them. You've fallen in love with the rules more than you love the Father. Some of you are going to go home today, and there's going to be toys all over your house. How many of you will admit that? You've got way too many toys in your house. Matt, Tori, we just dedicated your baby. How many toys do you got over there? Okay. When you walk into the room and you see all these toys, and some of you grandparents, you do too, because a grandparent just left your, you know, grandkid just left your house, and, and, you, and you look around and you see all these toys, not one of you are going to say this. You know what? There are so many toys here. We need to have more kids to play with all these toys. Have you ever said that? Maybe some of you women have. I'll correct myself. No man has ever said, we need another kid to play with all these toys. The toys are made for the benefit of the children. The children aren't made for the toys. You don't walk in and say, we need more children to play with these toys. The rules that Jesus made are for the benefit of his people. And so I ask you, when it comes to God's word, when it comes to his holiness, when it comes to everything he is, are you more in love with being a good person than you are with the Father? That song that Claiborne and the crew played, Holy, 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 
that one just made it to my playlist. And I don't know if you know that song is actually being chanted right now by angels. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, who is to come. The scripture says that that is being repeated over and over and over again to our Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. And so when we sang that today, we sang those lyrics with angels who are singing right now. And then all the other words of the truthfulness of God. If that is not your mindset of who God is, look that song up. What's the name of that song, Claiborne? There's got to be more than that. Is that the version? Who sings it? Huh? Shane and Shane. Okay. Figures. I love them guys. But, uh, but if, if, if you go home and just listen to that, and if your mind is not changed, if that is not your mindset, then you're missing it. Everything else is toil. Everything else is rule following. But you have to have the changed mind of who God is. And you know why scripture says holy, holy, holy? It's not because it rhymes, like Claiborne said. It's not because it's cute and makes the lyrics better. It's because